You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I am your co-host, PJ, also known as Pastor Josh, also known as Honey and Sweet Thing. No, I'm just joking, not that, you know, so I got uh, I got Matt over here. He's just... <laughs> we're already off he's the like, rails. We're already off the rails. No, but uh, uh, Joni does not call me those, so at, at all. <laughs> but I'm with my other co-host, who is... Matt, do you have a nickname? What? Uh, you know... <laughs> Not one that I'm going to share for everybody. Uh, just call me yes. Matt or Maddie. Yeah. Maddie. All right. Maddie, yeah. All right. I'm with my co host, Maddie Shiles. Maddie. Maddie hey, Shiles. great to be here with you. Yeah, good to be here. It's going to be a fun one today. I can already tell. <laughs> yeah, I'm full of it this this afternoon. So there, there's excitement because we're in Northland 2.0 and we had our new mission statement unveiled. So this was February 4th and 5th of 2023. Yep. We were in a couple passages. We were in a bunch. Um, really, the, the key ones were Genesis 1, 26 to 28, Exodus 19, 4 through 6, and Matthew 28, 18 through 20. If you've been listening to the podcast, you'll, you'll know what those are about, and we've talked a lot about those. But how about this weekend? Yeah, it was a weird weekend for me. And the, the mm-hmm. weirdness is that, yes, you're, you're taking the culmination of all of these passages. Yeah. And, I, and I have. I've preached on these passages and are made for mission. Yeah. But, but you are condensing it down into a statement, and yeah. then you're preaching the statement. Mm. And so it was weird. I mean, it's because it was. It, it was a weekend where I didn't say open up your Bibles to, didn't unpack a passage. Mm. But like I said, you're taking all of these passages, you're condensing all of these passages down into one statement of why we exist, and then you're trying to unpack it just so that people understand that statement. So, so it was weird. For me, but I thought I thought, man, okay, it's great now because it's done, it's out, and 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 it will be a statement that it's not. We're just going to go over it one weekend. This is a statement that we will continually to we will continue to come back to mm-hmm. week after week, month after month, year after year. It is our why. Yes, it is our why. So our mission statement: Northland Church exists to glorify God as we participate in his mission of redeeming a people from all peoples by engaging neighbors and nations to be fully alive in King Jesus through the power of the Spirit. That is that is a mouthful, and it was interesting because I did have some, I mean, I said, you know, that's a long mission statement. And I actually looked up what the average mission statement is for a company or an organization. And most mission statements are between one and three sentences, never exceeding 100 words. Our mission statement is 37 words. Yeah. And while it might be a mouthful, it is a it is a hopefully a robust statement, a robust theological, missiological statement. Because at the end of the day, sure, we could have got – because I, I, I like to have cute little phrases. Yeah. So we, we could have crafted a cute little phrase. Yeah. But our why should not be 
dumbed down to a cute little phrase. Mm. Our whys, you know, our why should be extremely meaningful. Mm. And I hope and, and, and pray that this mission statement, as again, we, we all participated in, in crafting this mission statement, that it that it would be a robust one that 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 anchors why we exist to mm. it. Yeah, that's so great. And and really that was one of the questions was to talk about the length of the mission statement because um, because I did feel that tension of, man, it, uh, so often we think they should be short and pithy, like you talked about. Um, and, and I looked up other churches and, and other organizations. And yeah, a lot of times, because I read the same thing you did, but a lot of the times they're eight to 10 words. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, they are short. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so 37 words feels, feels really yeah. long, but... Um, but man, even something I read said, "Hey, it shouldn't be too long. Shouldn't be more than fifteen, twenty words because you can't memorize it." I don't buy that. And I'm like, "Well, we memorize songs. Yeah, <laughs> and they're, and, they're they're definitely longer than eight, ten words, and, and we, we have a hopefully whole, memorize scripture. We have a whole group of leaders that have have taken week after week uh, over the last couple of months, and all of us have memorized it, and um, and it's. It's wonderful to uh, to spend that time um, yeah. memorizing it and really thinking about, like you did this weekend, breaking it down um, bit by bit and uh, and really thinking about why each part is important. Yeah. So I do want to talk a little bit about that. But before we go there, uh, you've been using a term, oaks, <laughs> old <laughs> Older age kingdom saints, yeah. and it just got me wondering: Have you gotten any feedback from our congregation uh, using that word? No, they they like it. And they some even some someone even asked me. They said, "Is is that taken from somewhere?" And I, I did. I said, "Yeah, it's actually taken from Isaiah sixty one three, and Isaiah says this that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified." Mm. And so, when when I think about you, you know, older age kingdom saints. Hopefully they are oaks of righteousness. Mm. I mean, they have. They, hopefully they have firmly planted themselves mm. into the Lord for you know for serving Him for years, and so that's why I love I love the oaks. Call them oaks, older age kingdom saints. That they are oaks of righteousness, and so no, um, <laughs> I've had people kind of just laugh at me for 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 that, but. <laughs> I, yeah, I love it, and and um and I wonder. So Joe Curtis is here, uh, joining us in the back today, listening. And I wonder if he if he counts. If no, he he, he, he wouldn't count as up. an oak. No, not yet. No, no. Yeah, you, you you're a branch. <laughs> Maybe someone like Pastor Gus is considered. Yeah, an oak. Gus. There Gus would be considered an oak, <laughs> an older age kingdom saint. I was wondering why you turned and looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about. Um, this question at the beginning, why do you exist? Um, you said the mo- it's the most powerful and fundamental question in all the world. Um, so why is, it, why is it dangerous to have multiple answers to that question of, of why we exist? Well, the, the danger is what I alluded to during the gatherings that it would create confusion, mm-hmm. chaos, and even division mm-hmm. is when you have multiple answers to that. And I think even churches, when I've seen churches infight and churches divide, it's it, it's typically over confusion, chaos, yeah. Yeah. and division around why do we exist. And a lot of times 
that happens because we allow secondary and tertiary things to become primary things, which is why having a mission statement of why you exist is so important. Now, here's another thing that I think is really interesting about this question, why do you exist? Because even if you apply it individually, which I, I, I want people to do, like, why, why do you exist? Yeah. Could you imagine, and I was sharing this with the students this this past weekend, I said, what have you heard from your own peers or just from your listening to social media or to the TV and TV series? What what have you heard uh, as to the reason why people exist? And you had a couple of them say, well, to be happy, yep. to, to live my truth. I mean, we had a couple of teenagers say that. I said, okay, so, so let's just say, and, and in Seminole County, there's 500,000 people. What if 500,000 people lived out that why? Hmm. What kind of county would you have? You would actually have a pretty chaotic, confused and divided county because if you start living out your own truth, it might not be your truth. And so now we, we are at odds with one another. Mm-hmm. And and so therefore the county's no no longer any better yeah. because of the why. Yeah. Now so think about the why we exist as the people of God. We exist to glorify God participating in his mission, gauging people to be fully alive. Now I know I just condensed that, but just some big, big points about our mission statement. Yeah. So what kind of if if five hundred thousand? I mean, just think about if seventeen hundred people lived out that mission statement in Seminole County. Yeah, I, I think the county would then even have have even more glimmers of hope because you have seventeen hundred people trying to glorify one one being. His name's God, in three persons: God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and to engage people to be fully alive to know King Jesus. Yeah. I mean, so so that's that's the reason why the why is so important, and uh, and we cannot forget that why. Yeah, and I think it's oh, it's it's so good to think about that. What are the you know ideas have consequences, and and what are the consequences of those ideas? Even if even if all the intentions are good, yeah, it could still create chaos to have all of those different paths, right? Um, and that's not even taking into account, you know, um, bad intentions, right? Right. But um, but thinking about what what is the what is the preferred vision for the future? That's such a more compelling vision for the future, um, for our city, for our county, for our state. Um, so it's it's something that we hear thrown around a lot: mission, vision, values, etc. But um, but I love that we take the time to consider first, okay, what is God's mission? Yeah. And it's what we've been doing for the last year, really. really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so much of our, of the sermons have been around God's mission. And now, um, now the new mission statement really just anchors into that. Yeah. And I would go a little bit deeper too, because, you know, you brought up and I even brought up that I have looked at other churches' mission statements and many times churches' mission statements tend to not answer the why, but answer the what. Yeah. We exist to make disciples. Well, that's what you do. Yeah. You know, that's not why you, you know, that, that, that again, that, that's, a, that's a what you do, not why you exist. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting, there's, a, there's actually a secular book by Simon Sinek, 
And it's interesting, like he started talking about concepts that I had been already thinking about. And I think that book came out in 2009, but it, but his book was titled Start With Why. Yeah. And he says, many companies, they don't begin with why, they actually begin with what, and it falls, it falls on deaf ears. Because people want the why. They want, why does this matter? Yeah. And is this something that is bigger than me? Is this something that I actually want to be part of? Not, and again, not like, again, I want to do. No, I want to be part of this. And so if you think about Northland's why, and really the people of God's why, the church's why, that we exist to glorify God as we participate in this mission and so, so again, it, it starts out, this is why we exist for the glory of God. Yeah. And so as we participate, and so it really is this invitation now to, to, to be part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah. You, you're now being part of, of God's people, and his people is comprised of Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people group. So it's not just it's not just a Caucasian. It's not just a black and African American. It's not a Latino. It's not a Vietnamese. Like it, it is this now global people mm. that is that that is now con- consisted under the the banner of God, and then you're you're to join him on mission. And so because he has always been about creating and redeeming now a people for himself to reflect his glory in all spheres of life. So like I was telling the students yesterday, I said, so, so there's really there, there's, there's three things to it. I said, so it's how we are relating with one another, part of God's mission, how we create. And I said, let, let me ask you, you, you know, how, how many of you love taking Legos and building something? How, how many of you, you, you love painting or you love drawing? How many of you love playing Minecraft and, and building these, these worlds in, in, in kind of the virtual space? I said, so what you're doing, you, you are, that, that's part of the creation mandate is that you're taking these raw materials because you didn't, you didn't create those Legos. You didn't create that paintbrush or that canvas. You, you didn't create the, the game, the Minecraft game. Yeah. No, but, but you're taking these raw materials and you're doing something with it. I said, so now that gives you a whole different perspective of why you go to school. So now you're going to be educated because you're taking all of these raw materials of history and geography and math and English and science, and you're learning how these raw materials come together to make this world a better place, but you're ultimately making it a better place as you glorify him so that you might reach others. And I said, so, and then just stewardship. So that's where I'm like, man, we're inviting people into this incredible mission, mm-hmm. into this incredible story, because really the best whys are actually anchored in a story, not anchored in an action. Mm. Amen. And um, and and I have I've grown to to love and really, really appreciate that we define the mission of God in the mission statement. I think I... I knew the importance of it, but maybe I was taking it for granted. And as I was looking at the other church's mission statements, uh, I saw that that a lot of them assumed, right? They assumed assumed that why, yeah. and assumed us participating uh, in in God's mission, but didn't actually define it. And that's what we've been learning from you over this last year: the importance of 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 defining words and making sure that we're all on the same page. So. Yeah. Right there in our mission statement, we we see um, that definition. So, and what it's also important because, and again, I, I want to be fair to churches. I mean, they're 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 really anchoring these mission statements that they have into the New Testament, and I get it. Yeah. 
But we, we do realize that the New Testament is built upon the Old Testament. So when Jesus says, make disciples of all nations, unless you know what was happening in Genesis 12, that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Why would Jesus say, go make disciples of all nations if he's not interpreting that through the lens of the covenant that God made with Abraham? Yeah. And so, so that's why I think it's so important yeah. to bring the totality of Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, and yes, we're, we're New Testament people. So I'm not saying that mm-hmm. we're we're still entrenched into Old Testament and Old, Old Testament uh, uh, behavior. Yeah. But but bringing in the whole canon. Yeah. Of of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, and and then also like because the the thing also that can, disciple making can be, it, it can it can become very assembly line type. Yeah. And um, almost very programmatic is that you come to a church, you go to a class, you keep going to a class, and you do these things, and then you're you're a disciple. Well, no, but but if you know what God was, what 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 God wanted to do with Adam and Eve as as image bearers, Mm -hmm. He wanted them obviously to image Him, to reflect Him. And so, what is a disciple? A disciple is a pupil. A learner, mm-hmm. and so now, so now, as a disciple of Jesus, we're taking upon ourselves who He is and what He does, and as His pupil and learner, we want to reflect His teachings in our life. But, but again, that that the idea of disciple is actually connected to an image bearer, and that's why I love what Paul talks about in in a, in a variety of places. But like Colossians three ten, where he says, "Put on the new self, which is being renewed." In and the knowledge in the image of its creator. He says in Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. 1 Corinthians 15, and just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man, Jesus Christ. So, so even in Paul's language, in three different, and actually in another place too, but, but in le- in at least these three different places, he's talking about how Jesus is redeeming God's image in our life. And as we are now taken upon Jesus's image, why? Because as Hebrews would say, he's he's the better Adam. Even Paul would say he's the better Adam in Romans. And so now because of Jesus, we're able to have this image restored that we might reflect God. And so again, all of that to say, I mean, it's so important to take in the entire canon of scripture as we develop a mission statement. Yeah, well said. So this week is mission, next week is vision. So I know this is kind of a an age-old debate about mission before vision. Funny story, um, I was, so I'm taking Foundations of Leadership class this semester I uh, just finished week two, and at the end, very end, he put up a poll. He said, what's more important, mission or vision? <laughs> I oh. said, oh, I'm ready for this one. <laughs> um, mission, and two-thirds of class selected vision. Okay, yeah. Um, so so talk about that. Why why mission before vision? I know we've, we've, uh, we've talked about it before, but um, I just yeah. thought that would be important for us to consider now before we move on to vision next week. Yeah, so in the business world, people tend to start with vision and then they go to mission. And I've never really seen much of a difference mm. in how they articulate, you know, articulate or even put it down on paper. 
And so by, by starting with the vision, it's kind of like what they would like to see, and then mission is how they're going to do it. Yeah. And for me, again, I am a missiologist, so my PhD is in mission, missiology. And as as such, I'm going to start with God's mission. Mm. What is God doing in the world? Like so so and then ultimately whatever he's doing, that's that's my why. So, so God is he's on mission to create, to redeem because of the fall of mankind. So now, if that is what God is doing, then that is my why. So now I exist to participate in what he's doing. So I exist for him. And then, therefore, I take now that mission, and then I I go out to the next kind of circle and go, okay, so what do I want to see? What do I I now need to do in order to accomplish this mission? And and just like, just know like the mission statement, like as we participate, you might see that as something that we do or by engaging neighbors that might be so, but those are generic and they're purposely put there in a generic sense because, because the question would be, well, what does it mean to participate and what does it mean to engage? Well, and so as you saw, like even in this past weekend's message, like when when I even answer that question, what does it mean to what what does it mean to engage people? It means you got to reach out to them, befriend them, talk to them, all of that. Well, uh, I'll give you a, a little snapshot, a little preview for this coming week. But one of the things that we will we will say in our four C's is that we connect with God and with others. So, you know, befriending, loving, you, you know, reasoning could be a way that we connect. And then also, I, I don't want to give too much away. So, but, but, but again, these are all generic words that we're using because if you want to drill down to it, then that becomes our vision. Mm-hmm. Because our vision is, is what we will do to accomplish the mission. So, again, the... The, the, the mission statement is this big why that should ask you, well, what does that look like in practice? What, what do we need to do? What do we need to see in terms of, in terms of our actions that will fulfill this mission? And that, that, that's the difference for me. And, and then, just again, just to get ahead of ourselves just a little bit, is on our night of worship, we'll share values. And, and and those values are what governs us mm. as, as a body, as a team, mm. and so so th- th- those are all things that go into us fulfilling our why. And I don't think we can state this enough. Um, you know, definitely for for me, and I think our generation growing up, there is such a kind of a focus, especially if you're growing up in the church. There was a focus on. You know what is God's um, purpose for my life? Yeah, and um, and and that's a that's a good noble sentiment. But I think if we're not careful, it can become um, self-centered as opposed to us considering what is God's purpose, what is God's global mission, what is God doing. That's my why. Yeah, not only can it be self-centered, like you know, what is God going to do for me, but but it can also become narrow. Yeah. Like for growing up, and again, I'm I'm grateful for the church that invested in me. I'm I'm part of who I am today is because of the church that I attended, basically all of my childhood into my teenage years. 
But if I had to, if I had to answer the question, what what does it mean to be kind of the, this disciple? It really was more about this this understanding of head knowledge and just my behavior. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with work mm-hmm. or vocation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, I gave because they told me, like, you know, you, you tithe. That's what a disciple does. Well, not the, you know, not this idea of stewardship of going. Okay, I'm just a steward and a manager of what God has has given me. And so, it, so it didn't bring in the totality mm-hmm. of what it means to be part of a kingdom. And that everything in the kingdom really does revolve around the king and what it means to be part of that kingdom and the values that drive that kingdom. Yeah. And so that's what I want to make sure that that we're doing here at Northland is that, again, it goes back to this fully alive, is that if you really want to be fully alive, then everything that you do mm-hmm. as a human being revolves around King Jesus mm-hmm. Because here's the other thing that we talked about in in uh, stu- you know kind of student ministry, and I use them right now because I'm able to go a little bit deeper with them yeah. from and just kind of like I do on extra takes, and so I kind of I kind of do some things with them, and it kind of translate over here into the podcast. But I, I, want, I want you to think about the Trinity because this is why the Trinity is so important. Because I'm sure that you saw in your research of mission statements, the Trinity wasn't there. It was not. <laughs> so the Trinity is like assumed. The Holy but, Spirit wasn't yeah. really there. No, no. And that's where I'm like, the biggest difference between the old covenant and the new covenant, aside from Jesus's death and resurrection, is the role of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so in the, new te- or in the New Testament, yes, the Spirit comes upon us and fills us after salvation or at the moment of salvation. But in the old covenant, the Spirit basically hovered over Israel. Sure, the Spirit would come upon individuals at certain times, but not individually. And so now the Spirit is coming upon us individually and even corporately so that we might be empowered to live for King Jesus so that we might glorify the Father. So that's part of the Trinity. So think about it. We exist to glorify God. Well, we, we cannot glorify God because we are sinners. Mm-hmm. So we are we are fully dead. We are dead in our transgressions and our sins, according to Ephesians chapter 2. But God, who is rich in mercy, who did he send? He sent Jesus. And so that's why we will read in Romans chapter 5. But God demonstrates his love for us, mm-hmm. that while we were sinners separated from him, he he sent Jesus. Mm. And so now Jesus, so God the Son, is now our our mediator. And he's the one that is taking upon himself the wrath of God. That's why he's going to absorb the wrath of God. And because of what he's done is he's taken our place so that we might be reconciled to God. So the only way we can actually glorify our heavenly father is via, is through Mm. Jesus. You cannot glorify your creator God, God the father, without Jesus Christ. Mm. And then Jesus sends the spirit because now the Spirit is going to teach us all things. The Spirit's going to give us wisdom and discernment. He's going to empower us 
to make sure that Jesus is the center, that we're being conformed more into the image of Jesus, that we might glorify our Heavenly Father. That is the reason why we need God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And there's so many different ways that I could share with, with, with us of how the Trinity is not, not only in, involved in just the Christian life, but how the Trinity is involved in salvation and even creation. Mm. And so that's why it's so vital yeah. that we make sure that we worship the triune God, not just generically God. Yeah, and something we've mentioned before is uh, our culture is biblically illiterate, right? We have mm-hmm. been moving away from biblical literacy. Yep. Um, so things that we could have assumed and even ways that the church could have communicated things like the mission statement in the past where they could have said God and maybe we could have um, understood that is the triune God. We can't just assume that now. So no. I think that's where I'm really – have this appreciation for, let's make sure, if it needs to be longer, that's fine. Let's make sure we really spell out um, what it is. That's why we want to spell out God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit to make sure we we know what we're all talking about, what we believe, and that we don't just assume. So yeah. I think this idea of biblical literacy really plays into it. We're, we're living in a different world than we were our context 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, so I do have a question. Um, was there any aspect of the sermon that you had to leave out or didn't get to expand on that you want to uh, dig deeper in? I, I feel like some weeks there's there's a lot and, uh, and other weeks maybe not so much, but anything on the top of your mind? No, I mean, not, not, for, not for this week because, I, you know, I, I didn't want to sound redundant, which yeah. – I'm sure in some cases I did, but I think it's okay to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and remind yourself and remind yourself and remind yourself about about what we believe and and why we're here. So so I don't think I, I left really anything out. I did tell I did tell uh, Pastor Marsh. I said I said you know I said I think it's going to be about thirty minutes. I said because I didn't write anything for point two because I was just going to recount God's mission. I said so it just really depends on what I say there. So uh, obviously it was longer than thirty minutes, but yeah. So I, I didn't really leave any, you know, anything out. So I feel like I covered everything that I wanted to cover in in an overall sense for God's mission. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that that God's mission. You connected it all the way back to Genesis, and you gave kind of a full a full summary, full overview. Um, how did that come about? Did that just did that just come out? I mean, I I feel like um, that's probably just um, months and years of of your experience, and it just seemed like once you got rolling. Yeah, I mean, going. it really it's it's second nature to me telling the story of God, mm. and and I loved I love telling it, and if I, you know, and and I knew I only had a certain amount of time to tell it, and so therefore I'm skipping over a lot. Sure. But it is something that I I deeply love teaching Mm. and going back to it because if you really want to understand, if you really want to understand your micro story, your life, you need to embed it into the story of God. Mm. And and then it is – and then when you you really recount the story – 
uh, of a God, and, and you and you get to know that story. You you definitely see the themes. So you know the themes of God's story, and, and particularly mankind embedded in God's story. It's sin and judgment. So so mankind sins, they're judged, and they're kicked out. So garden, you know, the kicked out of the garden, but God's going to redeem. He's going to love. So, so that's part of the thing that even about the Trinity. So you always have God loving, and then the the Son is the one saving because again, God loved Israel. So, so in Exodus, so the cries of Israel go go up. God hears. He remembers, and what does he do? He sends a deliverer. He sends Moses. Well, ultimately, for our sin, he's going to send a son, and so his son's going to die. And then, you know, you have the Spirit draws and and convicts, and so and guides. And and so, what do you see even in the Old Testament? You see that the that the Israelites they're led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That's that's the Spirit of God over the people. And so when you when you recount the story of, of God, you actually see these themes mm. throughout. And, and and so that's that's what's so beautiful about God's mission. And so when when you look at the New Testament, everything now of who we are and what we do is connected to what God has always been doing. And that, that's what I love. I mean, I really do. I, I love that story. Mm. And and it's not just a story, but it is the story that we believe. It is the story of, of the human race to be embedded into the story of God. Yeah. Amen. It, it reminds me of something that, that Pastor Gus has challenged uh, me on and, and us on. I think he's preached on it, this idea of, of think about your favorite movie, think about your favorite song. Think about your favorite actor, actress, or sports hero. How well do you know that? Yeah. Right? How well do you know in and out? And um, and and I think when you when you go to recount it, when you go to sing the song, tell the movie, tell the story of the Bible, tell the story of Jesus. Uh, it, it's a great uh, it's a great way to see kind of check our heart and to see you know how much am I thinking about it? How much am I dwelling on it? Does it just flow out? Is there excitement? So, uh, so thanks for that. It it it's, yeah. it seemed like it just kind of flowed out, and um, and I think that's a good um, a good encouragement and challenge for us to uh, to see where we are with that as well. Yeah. Um, so let's do one final question before we wrap up. Um, you said if you have Jesus, you want to engage people that are dead and people that are alive. Can you talk about that a little bit yeah. more? Well, so, and again, this goes back to the, this Trinitarian understanding mm-hmm. that that if you really know Jesus mm-hmm. and Jesus is your king and everything in your life revolves around King Jesus, well, well, now what you're going to do, and, 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 and because he's given you his spirit— so the things that Jesus loves and the Jesus and the things that Jesus gravitates towards, you're going to do that. Why? Because Jesus has sent his spirit in you. He's given you a new heart. He's given you his nature. And so so now you, you're going to begin to to look like Jesus. Now again, you're, you're not going to be perfect. Now and this is the whole thing about you know salvation positionally, in your relationship with God, you are perfect because when God the Father looks at you, guess who he sees? 
He sees Jesus. So positionally, you are perfect. But but now in life, you're going through this sanctification process, which is this process of being formed and conformed more into the image of Jesus. So therefore, as you are becoming more and more like him in word and deed, you're actually going to exhibit things that we saw in the life of Jesus. So we know that he spent a lot of time with 12 people. Now, one had happened to be Judas, and he betrayed Jesus, but he had community, and he was all about formation. He was all about investing in, in followers of, of him, right? So, so there's going to be this engagement with people that, that love Jesus. And so that could be, obviously, in our corporate gathering. It could be in what we're getting ready to call life groups. So I know some of you, are like, I'm, I'm part of a class. Uh, you, will still, you will still have that class, but we're just going to call them life groups. And so, so nothing changes other than how we are sharing about these groups. They're, they're just simply called life groups. So we're just changing the wording. We're not changing the class. So the wording, not the structure. So... So that so you're going to engage that way, but then you're also going to want to engage people far from Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're you're going to want to befriend them. You're going to want to get to know them. You're not going to want to leave them behind. And so what we see with Jesus in the life of Jesus, man, he was he he was there at the well, and he knew that the woman at the well was going to be there, but he was there. He went up to the tree where Zacchaeus, no one else wanted to go to the tree where Zacchaeus was, but but Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And then you have, you even have lost people coming up to him. You have the Roman centurion, you know? And so there, there's, there, there's this, there's this double facet of, of engagement of people who know, you know, who, who know Jesus and follow Jesus and those who don't know him, but but need to know him and need to follow him. And so that's that's really what I mean by by that is that if if we really do follow Jesus and Jesus is our king and we really are seeking to glorify God, mm. we're going to do the things that actually Jesus would do that glorified God. Mm. And so that that's what I meant by that. Amen. Amen. So, so looking forward to this Next week, we've got the vision. The vision, yeah. It's gonna, and, and what's interesting, so this vision is going to encompass, once again, the, the entire canon, so from Genesis to Revelation, but what we see, and I can't wait to unpack it because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the house down <laughs> this coming weekend. I'm going to preach it down. Okay. But you actually see all four C's found in Acts chapter 2, Verses 42 through 47, mm. which I have labeled for years the picture of a revolutionary church. Mm. And so so if we really want to be a revolutionary church, and here's what I mean by revolutionary, it means a far and drastic change in ways of thinking and behaving, and it means an overthrow of a government. And so what, what the gospel does, what the good news of King Jesus does. So, and remember the, the good news I simply define, and I do this, I actually got this from N.T. Wright and I just kind of made it my own. But the good news is simply that the cosmic king has come to make all things new through his death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. And so that that is the, the declaration, the proclamation of the good news. You want to be made new? You want to be a new person? You need, you need to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, it, and the only way that you are able to be made new is through his death, that he died for you and his resurrection. And so that he was raised to new life. He was dead, but he was raised to life 
again. And so that's the cosmic good news. And here's the thing about the good news is that it actually incites a revelation or a revolution, mm -hmm. a drastic and far-reaching change in ways of thinking and behaving. It will completely change the way you think about life. And not only that, it will overthrow the the authority that that was that was your life prior to Jesus. Jesus becomes your authority. And when that happens, mm -hmm. then you will you will do these at least these four things of what it truly means to be the people of God. And when you do these four things, you will accomplish, you will participate in accomplishing God's mission on earth. And so, so I'm excited to preach that house down. Amen. You know, this coming weekend. Okay, looking yep. forward to it. So awesome. Well, Northland family and friends, it was wonderful spending this time with you. We are grateful for you. We love you. We are so glad that you're part of the Northland family. Here's to the next 50 years of ministry and mission as we exist to glorify God as we participate in his mission of redeeming a people from all peoples by engaging neighbors and nations to be fully alive in King Jesus through the power of the Spirit. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.